0: Everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I just mentioned, I'm Hub. I hope you are enjoying the heck out of this fine whenever the heck it is you're listening to this. Me? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I was thinking the other day about that rumor that if you watch Three Men and a Baby, there's that one scene in the background where you can see a ghost. And I don't know about that. There's a couple of things about that that seem a little off to me. First of all, there's no such thing as ghosts. Second of all, and perhaps less controversially, it seems like the kind of rumor that was just made up so that goths would have a excuse to rent and watch Three Men and a Baby. Because you know what? Steve Gutenberg is fucking delightful. Which brings me to the third reason that I have some problems with that ghost in the background thing. I mean... How do you even notice that? There's so much going on in the foreground. Steve Gutenberg is so goddamn delightful, I had to watch that movie three times before I even noticed Tom Selleck was in it. Ah, Gutenberg. What a treat. Anyway, enough of this tomfoolery. You want to talk about a comic book? Or rather, you want to hear me talk about a comic book? All right, let's do that. Without any further ado, let's ado this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Molly Hayes-Hernandez. Lilith's back, but Hulk is dead. Hydra's got too many heads. If modern comics make you hiss, enjoy this throwback synopsis. Synopsis. Thanks, Molly. Defenders, number 12. February, 1974. The Titan Strikes Back. Written by Len Wein, drotted by Sal Buscema, with inks by Jack Abel. Defenders Roll Call. The Incredible Hulk, Dr. Strange, Valkyrie, previously in The Defenders. After the rigors of the Avengers Defenders' War, the gang decided to relax with some time travel shenanigans that had some unfortunate racist subtext. And text, and pictures. This adventure culminated with the Black Knight reclaiming his magic sword, the Ebony Blade, from Valkyrie and deciding to stay in the 12th century so he could fight in the fucking Crusades. What a douche! Upon returning to their own time, the mighty team of heroes resumed one of their favorite activities, insisting they were not a team, and disbanding. Hulk Namor and the Silver Surfer all quit the Defenders. Oh no! Hawkeye also quit the Defenders. Hooray! Valkyrie and Doctor Strange were left alone in Steve's Sanctum Sanctorum, wondering what bold new chapter was next for the Dynamic Defenders. Gadzooks! Now that our titular non-team is reduced to a roster of two, what fresh new face will be next to join up? To what exotic locale will a newly weaponless Valkyrie's quest for a new sword lead her? And what diabolical threat to humanity will our brave heroes thwart next? Stay tuned to find out! Okay, so... The Hulk Steve Sten And a former children's television show host Hooray! The Hulk is taking a pleasant stroll through a secluded forest, picking flowers and grinning his ass off. It is fucking delightful. He loves nature, and he loves the trees and rocks and flowers. He is basically an enormous green Ralph Waldo Emerson, and I love it. Suddenly, some trees start attacking him. What the fuck, trees? I mean, thankfully it's more Wizard of Oz than Evil Dead, but still, it definitely feels like a betrayal. Then some rocks start getting in on the action, hurling themselves at the gentle jade giant. At two geology? Well, Hulk may be a conservationist at heart, but he is still the Hulk, so he starts smashing the shit out of the trees and rocks, and yelling at them, which is both heartbreaking and adorable. Suddenly, the Machiavellian mastermind behind the forest's newfound ferocity reveals himself. It's some kind of cross between a polar bear, an owl, and a cartoon yeti. Of course! Wait a minute, that's not just any owl yeti bear. That's Zemnu the titan no relation to those titans. Probably. When we last saw Zemnu back in Marvel feature number three, he was hosting a children's television show called The Astronauts, with two mind-controlled retired astronauts as part of an evil plan to kidnap all of the world's children and take them back to his desolate home planet so that he could rule over them? Or something? The details got a little hazy, but there was an astronaut pie fight, so I'm gonna let it slide. Anyway, Zemnu is a super powerful evil alien criminal who has telekinesis and mind control and mental bolts or some shit, and he super duper hates the defenders on account of they thwarted his poorly conceived diabolical plan, and then the Hulk punched him so hard that it vaporized him. Hulk doesn't remember Zemnu, which pisses off the Yeti Owl Bear even more. Zemnu fires one of his mental blasts at the Green Goliath, which makes the Hulk weaken and eventually pass out. The very idea of being weak confuses and upsets Hulk to the point that, perhaps for the first time ever, he wishes that Doctor Strange were there, as, surely, dumb magician would understand what was happening. Speaking of dumb magician, while Hulk is getting shanghaied by a reject from a Rankin and Bass Christmas special, Doctor Strange and Valkyrie are hanging out in the Sanctum Sanctorum. Steve is awkwardly presenting Val with a gift. He's like, Hey, so, um, I was tidying up my den, which is to say I was having Wong tidy up my den, and I found this magic sword that a wizard carved out of the tusk of a dragon that he slew. It's named Dragon Fang, so, um, do you want it? Man, I bet Steve has the dopest yard sales. Val is like, oh, wow, thanks for the magic sword, Steve. I love it. Also, I quit the Defenders. Steve asks if this is because of something he did, which might be a reasonable assumption, seeing as she is the fifth defender to say they want to leave the team in the last 11 pages of comic book, but also speaks to the fact that it is all about Steve with Steve. Val assures the megalomaniacal mage that he is not the cause of her plans to depart. It's just that she kind of wants to go on a journey of self-discovery. Seeing as her magical personality sort of overwrote the fractured mind of Barbara Norris back in Defenders No. 4, Val figures she owes it to the memory of Barbara to learn more about the woman whose body she inhabits. Perhaps by doing so, she'll learn more about herself in the process. She asks if Steve can understand that. Steve? Steve? Damn it, Steve! Apparently Strange has totally zoned out and hasn't heard anything Val has said after the It's not your fault, Dr. Strange. While it's not particularly surprising that the Sorcerer Supreme wasn't paying attention to the self-seeking Shield Maiden's Sojourn soliloquy, what is a little surprising is the reason. It turns out that Strange has a special psychic rapport with the Hulk, and, while Val was confiding the details of her identity crisis, Steve was picking up the Hulk's psychic call of distress. My guess is that Steve has some kind of mystical Google Alert set up so that he gets notified whenever anyone is thinking about him. Strange and Valkyrie are galvanized into action by the Hulk's mental plea for assistance. They leap onto Val's dope-ass flying horse, Aragorn, and ride off to the forest where Hulk has recently been gamboling fecklessly. Which, for my money, is the only way to gamble. That's the problem with gambolers these days. Too feckful! When the duo of defenders arrive at their former non-teammate's last known locale, they find the forest smashed all to bits. Apparently, Steve had some kind of magical lojack installed in the hull, and he can tell that he is in the nearby, peaceful village of Pluckettville. Pluckettville is either in Florida, Pennsylvania, Georgia, or Maine. It's kind of tough to tell. The two heroes head into town and start awkwardly asking around if anyone has seen, um, well, anything. For some reason, they don't want to mention the fact that they're buddies with a green-skinned Everything Smasher, so the search isn't going too great just when it looks like the manhunt is totally stalled out, our heroes bump into Amos Moses, the town's suspiciously helpful mayor. Did I say suspicious? What am I talking about? He's got a bow tie. He's probably just being friendly. That's just my big city ways talking. I'd forgotten how neighborly folks are down Florida, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Mainway. Anyway, Mayor Amos Moses tells them that some hunters found a big green dude passed out in the forest and carried him into town. Also, they just finished building a town hall recently, and their town has a statue of its founder, Colonel Pluckett, who fought in the Civil War, on one of the sides. What interesting and pertinent information, Mayor Moses! Sorry about using the word suspicious before, that was way out of line. Amos tells Strange and Val that there is a shortcut to where their Emerald Amigo is resting. They just need to go down that creepy dead-end alleyway over there. Fair enough. Wait a minute. As soon as our protagonist set foot in the alley, the entrance is replaced by a brick wall and the mayor disappears. The water pipes on the alley walls come to life and start snaking around Stephen Val's limbs, holding them in place. A giant malicious-looking steamroller starts barreling towards them. You know what? I'm starting to think I was right to be suspicious of that mayor after all. Steve yells some magic shit, and Val busts him out of their bonds. She decides to take her new sword out for a test drive, and cuts the steamroller in half with it. Hooray! Steve busts out some magic, and the previously pinned down pair Kool-Aid man their way through the alley wall and back into town, where they are confronted by a horde of townsfolk being mind-controlled by Amos. Steve tries to attack Amos, but his sorceress blast appears to have no effect on the probably-not-just-a-small-town-mayor-after-all bowtie-notwithstanding and the ensorcelled townfolk bludgeon Steve and Val over the head and knock them out. Shitty. Meanwhile, back at Steve's sanctum sanctorum, Wong answers a knock at the door. It seems a mysterious stranger wants to speak to Steve about a matter of dire global importance. When Wong explains that Steve is out for the night, the stranger reluctantly leaves, muttering darkly to himself that the entire planet is in jeopardy. Who is this stranger? Well, He's wearing a trench coat and fedora, so my guess is it's either Aqualad, Raphael the Ninja Turtle, The Thing, Godzilla, or three toddlers standing on each other's shoulders. Oh, or Francis Kane. Definitely one of those. Back in Pluckettville, Steve and Val regain consciousness. They find that their arms and legs are bound by animated streetlights. The... You know what, I'm just going to go ahead and say it's suspicious. Mayor Amos Moses is gloating that he has created in Steve a mental block preventing the sorcerer from using his powers. Oh, and also he's Zemnu. Yeah, I, I think we all got that. Mayor Zemnu explains that after Hulk smashed him into a vapor, he just kind of floated around Miami for a while, then took over Amos Moses' body, went to Pluckettville, took over the town, made the townsfolk build him a rocket ship that's disguised as a new city hall. He now plans on flying everyone back to his home planet and using them to repopulate it with mentally enslaved Earthlings. During Zemnu's explosion of exposition, he drops a clue that the Hulk is still alive and nearby. Steve Strange uses his newly discovered psychic bond with the bounding behemoth to tell the Hulk to free himself. I guess the idea of freeing himself hadn't previously occurred to the purple panted pulverizer, because as soon as Strange instructs him to self-liberate, Hulk is like, okie-dokie, and smashes his way free of the metal statue of Colonel Pluckett, which is I guess where he had been imprisoned. Hooray! The yeti-looking asshole tries to use that beam that made Hulk weak again, but this time it doesn't work for some reason. Uh Uh-oh. Zemnu tries telekinetically throwing a bunch of shit at the Hulk, but Hulk, well, forgive me if you've heard this before, but Hulk smash. Not eager to get once again smashed himself, The furry space fiend mind-lifts a chunk of sidewalk and rides it into the sky like a surfboard, insisting that he will return soon for his spaceship and vengeance. Well, it turns out that Hulk doesn't much care for that plan, so he picks up the spaceship and hurls it towards the fleeing space yeti. It explodes on impact, and immediately, Steve, Val, and the townspeople are freed from Zemnu's influence. Hooray! And I'm sure we'll never see that guy again. After all, vaporizing him was so effective last time. Hulk is touched that Steve and Val went out of their way to rescue him and decides that they are friends after all. Ah! The comic ends with Hulk turning to Steve and Val and saying, Come, friends. Let us go away from this dumb place. Oh, so I guess it is Florida after all. Zing! Hehe <laughs> so- Sorry, Florida. And joining us once again is my good for many things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? I am delighted because I got to read
1: a fun and funny comic
0: book. Me too. This was so much fun. Let's just get into it. Well, we rarely, I feel like, get to see
1: Hulk at his unencumbered, nice, happy go lucky frame of mind without, you know, people are always bothering him, making him want to smash things and whatnot. Yeah. And this opens up on him in a bucolic countryside setting, literally stopping to smell
0: the flowers. Yes, it is delightful. He's so happy. And it made me so happy to see him just gamboling through the countryside in the forest and just having a nice time. Really throughout, the Hulk is a delight in this issue. Really reminiscent of, like, just the opening shot of him. It reminded me of Frankenstein so much. Like uh, yeah. the scenes where he's yeah. playing with a little kid or, like, having a flower to me this is kind of the definitive 70s hulk mm. and i really really enjoyed it we've got a different writer this one is written by len ween and it's rad one of the things that happens with the defenders is i'll get really attached to a writer and i'll really like his stuff and when we get a new writer i'll read the opening credits and be like Ah, oh, i mean i like this guy but i really like steve engelhardt i was curious where he was going but almost every for, for at least a very long while with this it just keeps getting better. And, yeah, I love this issue.
1: And you know where it's not going.
0: Where's that? The, the
1: Crusades. E- yeah.
0: It was nice to leave those, that oh, politically boy. troubling issue behind and have a, a goofy romp. Yeah. So, no, they didn't go to the Middle East in the 12th century. They instead went to the bucolic town of Pluckettville. Mm. Where do you think Pluckettville is? Well, they do they, ref- they referenced Florida at some point. They referenced that he encountered the mayor while the guy was in Miami hmm. But I didn't get the impression it was in Florida. It really seemed like a northern town. I, I just thought he was on like vacation because it said when he went back to Plunkettville. I actually had a note to myself where I was trying to sort out
1: if this was a town that was like post-Civil War from the north or the south.
0: Yeah. I, I, and I, I couldn't figure it out. It was very ambiguous as to that for me. The statue looked a little bit more southern. Yeah, and I ended up deciding on Southern in part because of
1: the statue, but more so because of Amos's getup. His bow tie, he reminded me of Sanders. Colonel Sanders.
0: I had the same thought. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, we're really cycling together. Today. I know. It's... <laughs> While we were reading the comic and taking notes, it turns out we both have the same mnemonic device to remember that it is Zemnu. <laughs> We both remember it by saying, hey, is Zem New
1: Shoes. When you think of it, do you spell it like the band name? <laughs> new oh, shoes? New Shoes? Yeah,
0: of course. Okay. Of course. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> just checking. So you decided it was on the south in the south because of that. See, I was leaning vaguely towards the north just from the phonetically spelled out accent. It seemed it seemed more rural. I guess both a rural appellation. Mm. I for some reason I was coming down Pennsylvania just because they mentioned the Battle of Gettysburg. Mm -hmm. but I think maybe it was intentionally ambiguous as to where this town is. Mm -hmm. But I will say, I miss Namor in this issue. Of course. I miss him whenever he's not around. He's missable. Hope he comes back soon. He will, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. I hope so. But speaking of that, Val mentions that she wants to quit the team, too. Yes. What did you think of that? I
1: thought it was a little weird, like her motivation for that was that the former personality of the being that she subsumed to become the Valkyrie never really got a chance to follow its aspirations yeah and that's her reason for leaving the defenders so how does she propose to, is she gonna go to
0: like I think she's gonna or? Go, I don't know I mean like it was a real person it's not like it's a past life thing she says I'm not sure if she's just planning on living as more of an homage to Barbara Norris or to try to just learn more about her. She says she just wants to learn more about her, but I don't know if it's going to be a journey of self-discovery or a journey of celebrating and paying homage to the person who, in a certain sense, gave her life so that she could exist. Mm -hmm. And and I wasn't sure which way to read it. If she wants to become more Barbara Norris-like and kind of take over her life or if she just Yeah, wants to pay tribute to her. Either way, I thought it was kind of weird timing. Because, like, everybody else quit at the end of the last issue, and she didn't say shit about it. You know what it probably
1: is? What? She's just like, shit, now I have to spend all this time with Steve. (laughs) And the dude
0: just fucking talks. (laughs) Oh, boy, does he. So, (laughs) so (laughs) when she is informing Steve... Of why she wants to quit the Defender. She's talking very much about kind of her identity crisis and her feelings. And at a certain point during this conversation, Hulk telepathically contacts Steve. I'm not sure to what extent that was what was happening and to what extent it was just like, oh, a woman's talking. I'm just going to zone out. (laughs) It's like he was having, like, one of the, like, a, a bad boyfriend moment. Uh, what were you saying? <laughs> yeah, just, like, had no idea what was happening. <laughs> the panel, his eyes just seemed totally glazed over as she's saying, Now, somewhere within this warrior's form is locked the spirit of a woman named Barbara, a woman with hopes, aspirations. I have to leave. Try to find that woman. Find out who she was. I owe her at least that much. Do You, you do understand, don't you, Stephen? Stephen? And he's just like, <laughs> it's like he's singing a little song about how great Stephen Strange is in his brain. She's staring off fixedly into space. And then she shakes his shoulders like, Well, where am I? <laughs> I very much get the impression from what we know about Steve, there's at least a 50% chance that he is doing that whenever. For some reason, for him, I'm saying, especially whenever a woman is talking, he's just like, Oh, yes, my own thoughts. la da 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 Steve is graced by the vapors of Valtor. I am Steve. (laughs) (laughs) So says I. But before that moment, I I think maybe he's just like, oh, I don't really need to pay attention because I did give her a present. He gives her a new sword. Turns out that sword's pretty fucking awesome. It, it is pretty awesome, and I really actually like the fact that he just had it lying around the office in a pile of bric-a-brac. He almost had forgotten about it. He, he had totally, he was just like, <laughs> just got like piles of weird and eldritch shit stacked between like old balled up socks and like newspapers and stuff, and it's like, oh yes, here is a... Sword that was carved out of the tusk of the last living dragon. I found this. I thought you might like it. The way he presents it to her, they are both so awkward about it, and it really makes it seem like he's hitting on her. Oh! Did you get that at all? I did not get that. It's just from this panel. Valkyrie, so there you are. I, err uh, have something for you. <laughs> and she goes, something for me? Well, what do you mean? <laughs> when you read it like that, it sounds awkward i didn't put the ers there they are written out and the whoa what it's just whether he's hitting on her or not he is very awkward in that which, which is Uncharacteristic. not uncharacteristically awkward yeah. when he is presenting it to her but it is nice and she really does dig it the sword has a name val dragon fang <laughs> everything he says just sounds so dickish even when he's being nice is it nice? what's that called man mansplaining oh absolutely the sword has a name val dragon fang <laughs> for tis said that centuries agone, the wizard Kaji-Da slew such a beast then carved the enchanted weapon whole from one of the creature's tusks a most formidable weapon Val and one you deserve to wield and yeah it's a dope sword I love that she has dragon fang I love the way she tests out dragon fang it is one of my favorite sword testings ever man they are being attacked by a possessed steamroller a la killdozer And Val decides that she's going to test whether the blade is worthy. And she just smacks a steamroller in half with it. And then stands and fairly nonchalantly says, it's It's worthy. worthy. (laughs) It's great. When I read that, I read that in a Wayne's World (laughs) voice. (laughs) Well, when when they're talking to Alice Cooper and Alice Cooper's like, you're worthy. Mm -hmm. I, I can't help but read that phrase that way. So yeah, the Hulk telepathically contacts Steve. And every time, I think they have now formalized it, I think that used to be mixed up a little bit, his usage of the phrase, every time he talks about Doctor Strange, Hulk calls him dumb magician. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. Mm -hmm. I really like the convention of Hulk calling other people dumb and being dumb enough that he does not realize he is dumb or think of himself as dumb at all. Mm -hmm. He's the strongest, therefore he's the smartest. I really like that about him. And it's just also really cute to hear Steve continually called dumb magician.
1: Yep, that tickles me as well. Do you know anything about the kind of mysterious mind link that the two have? With Steve being such a powerful
0: intellect and the Hope being not the brightest star in the sky? It's never made clear. They just have one because they need it. Yeah, I love that they have that mind link and I don't know if it's still a thing mm. in the Marvel universe, but it really seems like in comic books, everybody has a mind link with everybody. Especially when needed, right? Like yeah. Hulk's
1: like, ah, so we could uh, die. Wish
0: dumb magician was here. Sure. Dumb magician would know what to do. Yep. It was, it was very cute. And and I liked that Doctor Strange, I liked Doctor Strange a lot more in this issue than I normally do.
1: Yeah, he was like, we got to go solve this shit right yeah, now. Hulk's it's in the trouble. Hulk's in
0: trouble. He has never called out for me before and he's done a ton of shit for me. It's time I pay it forward Mm -hmm. or just pay it back, I guess. Let's go help out the Hulk because he's great. Yeah. And Val's like, yeah, of course. And they ride the flying horse that the Black Knight left behind so he could go fight in the Crusades and didn't even fucking ask about. I'm still pissed at him about that. That I'm pissed at him at so many things. That horse is much better off with Valkyrie. Yeah. I'm very glad that she gets it. And I think she's got a better sword now. Things are really looking up for Val. Hey, that horse has the same name as the Lord of the Rings guy. Yeah, I think we've talked about that Have before. We? Okay. Yeah. That's neat. It is neat. Agreed. <laughs> so many neat things in this yes. issue. Including and we I can't believe we haven't even mentioned it yet, The Return of Zemnu. Ah, my favorite goofball. Gosh. I love Zemnu. I'm so happy to see him. He is
1: such a goofy-looking dude. He is the goofiest. He has learned a thing or two, I think,
0: about how to populate a planet. You do since the last issue. I don't. What, why do you think he? What do you think he has learned? He learned that you need to bring adults. <laughs> okay, maybe we don't know who he's planning on bringing. The whole town of Plunkettville. I don't think he was planning on bringing the whole town of Plunkettville. He why said, do you think that? Because at some point he, he had says, to build it. He says, "I'll
1: be back for my rocket ship and the people of Plunkettville." Oh, he does. Yeah, before he surfs off on that little thing and Hulk's like you better come back. And oh, wait a minute, you want rocket? Maybe
0: stupid white thing will never come back to bother Hulk again. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you are right. Yeah. But the Titan will return soon for his great gleaming ship and the people of Plunkettville. Okay, I had actually missed that. What I had caught was a starship, good doctor, capable of carrying countless humans through the cosmos to repopulate my long dead homeworld. It's not that big a rocket ship. It's the size of the town hall. So it will carry countless people if you cannot count to 50. Yeah, you could literally like count you, the people. That you could take fit, maybe fit. 50 people on that ship. There's, or make just a ton of trips. There's also,
1: like, the perspective and the continuity, and this is all wonky, too, because there's a scene in which it looks like there's this long trail of townspeople getting ready to board the ship, and uh-huh. drawn, like, little dots, like there's thousands and thousands of them. Right. I thought Plunkettville was, like, population
0: max, I don't know, 600 people. That sounds about right. Now I worked very hard building that spaceship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I grew up in a pretty small town. The people there could not have built a spaceship even if they were being ordered around psychically by a owl bear with mitten hands from space. <laughs> he does have almost mitten hands. There's, he's got three he's got, digits. Yeah. He's got like those fancy mittens that are like bifurcated. Oh, have you seen, seen those mittens? Not like Spock hand. Maybe I just made mittens? up them. Are there Spock hand mittens? I don't think so. I feel like they right. are. I feel like they're just fancy mittens. Spock hand mittens, trademark. Yeah, yeah. I'm mailing this podcast to myself. That means it's copyrighted. Yeah. Oh, wait. We can't say Spock. Too late. <laughs> now we own that. Spock might be public domain. That show was on a long time ago. That's true. Spock and Mittens. Spock and Mittens. Trademark. Cop- Patent pending. Copyright. All that shit. R with the little circle around it. Yep. Zemnu's plan keeps changing, too. Okay. So Zemnu's deal is he was a space criminal who escaped from space jail, came to Earth, Figured out how to build a ship to get back to his home planet. But if it ever fired, it was going to destroy the whole planet. So the electrician who had saved his life figured out a way to foil him. I forgot what the way was. And then he got sent off into space and was like, oh, shit. But he was also going to take all those kids to repopulate. Okay, no, this was the next time. That was... He first showed up in like a 50s monster magazine. That's what I was talking about just now. Oh, okay. Then he came back again in a later 50s thing. And then that time he got defeated again by the same dude and then scattered into space. And during that travel, he actually drifted back to his home planet and found out that the whole place had been wiped out. Mm. So he's like, shit, that sucks. Then he came back to Earth and took over some astronauts and made them start a children's television show. Ah, that's right. Because that was the best way to hypnotize children to get them onto just a regular rocket ship that was at Cape Canaveral. He was just going to hijack a rocket ship that doesn't have interstellar capabilities and somehow take that up. Uh, But he needed to kidnap all the world's children and then Hulk punched him until he dissolved into nothingness. Mm -hmm. And now he's back and he doesn't care about kids. He also doesn't have a metal helmet or weird like shaved metal with aluminum siding around it, which I kind of miss. Yep. He's still pretty goofy looking. Oh, he is. But I don't understand. So now his plan is he just wants to get people to that planet. Why does it have to be Earth people? They don't resemble him at all. There are tons of like races in the galaxy. Some of them have to be closer to his home planet than we are. Why is he fixated on the Earth at this point, do you think? I don't know. He just likes Florida. Okay. You're right. You're times. right. Which I mean, I guess the place is in Florida. No, because he came back to Miami. I don't think this town is in Florida. That's maybe why he went back is because he remembered Cape Canaveral was there. And he was just like, I like Florida. Yeah. He's like, ooh, the mayor of a small town. That's the best person in Miami. (laughs) I don't know why he needs to get back to his home planet. Like, if he just wants to rule people, why doesn't he just take over the planet? He's done that before pretty easily. So hung up on this rocket ship thing.
1: Maybe he likes rocket ships.
0: I guess. I, th- I think he would just have more success if he was a little bit more malleable in his thinking. Oh,
1: well, yeah, try and give him a piece of your mind, but it might Ugh. not go so well. I don't have a ton to spare right now, man. Yeah. What do you think? Speaking of our Zemnu shoes, his word bubbles are all drawn with squiggly red lines around them. Right. Does that mean he's telepathically beaming his thoughts into
0: the minds of everybody around him, or just he's got a really funky voice? I'm not sure. Like. There are arguments to be made for either one. Obviously, he doesn't have a mouth, so it would make sense that he was beaming his thoughts telepathically. He might be like one of those... Oh, I think I just made a thing up.
1: I was going to say, he might be like one of those dogs that look like they don't have a mouth because there's all that hair or
0: fur covering it. But I don't think that's actually I don't thing. know those dogs. The, those dogs sound scary. But you know what are I mean? Are these there like dogs like from when... a Guillermo del Toro movie? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Ugh. <laughs> Well, maybe that's he's just
1: got a fuzzy face and then covers his mouth up. Maybe
0: it's I guess that's tiny. a possibility because the other side of that would be when he was on the Astronauts TV show, he had spoken lines. So I don't think he could have beamed those telepathically and still have them be heard over airwaves. Right, like I don't think that stuff can be recorded and then rebroadcast. Okay, so he's probably so speaking he's probably with vocal speaking in some way. Okay, with vocal cords or maybe as like a vocoder box. Because for some reason, I am picturing his words being like loud and bombastic and kind of stupid, but also kind of electrically crackly. Mm. You don't remember me, Hulk. Of course, I should have realized that with your... That's not... That's not what I was going for at no. all. Of course, I should have realized that one with your limited intelligence would have limited memory as well. <laughs> I'm going Doc Brown on that. Yeah, that's... That was not my intention.
1: No. It started a little bit I as, I was like, maybe you're going to go, like, bad guy from Doctor
0: Who kind of thing. See, I think it ended up going from Bane to Doc Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Are you understand violence, but I was born in it.
1: <laughs> uh, maybe he's got like a waver, like a wiggliness to his voice, like a like a Dalek. Maybe you want you want to give that a flavor. Oh, jeez. what does he say? I am Zemnu. <laughs> there we go, Titan. But you also call me Master.
0: Okay, he ended up going a little bit Walsh on at the end. <laughs> it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult uh, guy to figure out. Yeah. It's a complicated white thing. <laughs> it's a white thing. And yep. no one understands him, but, but nobody. Nobody does. No, nope. nope. I like that Hulk keeps calling him big dumb white thing. I, I do too. I Man, I love the Hulk in this issue. Now, when Doc Strange and Val are looking for the Hulk, They make a couple of weird decisions. First, they decide to go incognito, which, okay, fine. Their version of incognito maybe leaves a little something to be desired, but. They looked pretty classy. They looked pretty classy, which is why I think maybe they wouldn't blend in this small mill town in wherever they're of Plunkettville. Mm hmm. But they also, when they show up, they accost a street person. And Doctor Strange is like, I'll go ask him about this, Val. And then he's like, excuse me, sir. I was wondering if perhaps you'd seen a friend of mine. Friend, mister, what's he look like? Or friend, mister, what's he look like? (laughs) There you go. Well, he's about, er, that is, his skin is, I mean. And the guy's like, depending on where they are, Mm. do you think that guy was just like, is he trying to say he's, his friend's a black guy? And you just now that you read it out loud, I was like, it kind of sounds like that's yeah, what same. saying. Yeah, he's like, um, I, I don't, I'm going to use the wrong term here. I'm almost sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other possibility is that Dr. Strange is so self-involved that he honestly does not remember what the Hulk looks like. <laughs> he's got purple pants. I think they seemed nice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, the other weird thing about that scene is in the following one is when the mayor, Amos, yeah. Moses, comes up to him and he's like, I can help you find your green friend. But they had never told anybody
0: that their friend was green, right? I don't believe they had. But I think, and Dr. Strange is like, oh, yeah, it's great. Hmm. He's like, here, tell you're looking for a friend of yours. Big green fella. Well, I think I know where he is. If you follow me. See, now I'm putting them he's, in Maine. He's in Maine. No, I think that, I think that they That's are too in Maine. Far, no, I, I think they could be in Maine. Look, mister, I'd really like to help you. But if you don't even know what this friend of yours looks like, well, there ain't much I can do. Well, if you put it like that, they could be, I guess. Yeah, they don't mention it. And I think that may have been a tell that that was, in fact, Zemnu. And that he was just like, I know who they're looking for. Do you think Zemnu is telepathic?
1: I think he's got
0: some abilities in that direction. I don't know if he can, like, read minds exactly. I don't know if he can read minds, but I get the impression that he thinks he can read minds. (laughs) At the very least, Zemnu seems to have gone to the Stephen Strange school of conversational tactics, which is assume and interrupt. (laughs) Ah! Because when he is talking to Doctor Strange, when he is interrogating him, Stephen Strange is thinking, we're trapped, truly, we are the prisoners of this madman. And he looks at Steve and he goes, you think me a madman, don't you? Well, you're wrong, Doctor Strange. Quite wrong. I am not in the least mad, nor am I truly a man. I don't know if he could read his mind and pick the phrase madman out or if he was just guessing, but he follows it up by Stephen Strange's like, Zemnu the Titan, but how? How did I survive our last encounter? I assure you, Doctor, it wasn't easy. And then really does just start talking just to hear himself speak and share all of the exposition of what he's been up to. And again, like Dr. Strange is like, again, Titan, wh- why? What possible advantage could the people of this small, simple township be to you? And then he goes off on this whole story about what happened. And that ends up being his undoing because he tells Dr. Strange that the Hulk isn't dead. And then Dr. Strange just sends out the telepathic message to Hulk. Free yourself. Free yourself. Free yourself. Is the Hulk trapped inside the statue of Mr. Plunkett? Ooh, that didn't even occur to me. Is that what he busts out of? Yeah. Dude, he built a statue around the Hulk. Or he jammed him inside the statue? I don't know. That seems needlessly complicated. Great villain stuff there. Mm -hmm. I hadn't even noticed that. Way to go, Zemnu Shoes. Man. Oh, gosh. And then the Hulk just beats the shit out of him. Tosses a rocket ship
1: at him. (laughs) I love it too. when Far, far away, Zemnu as the rocket ship is hurtling towards him says no oh no (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty great yep i i did have one question for you which was that there's a little kind of a side part in here that is foreshadowing for something that happens in the future i'm sure yeah who is it do you think that tries to visit dr strange and And talks to wong briefly
0: since i actually know the answer who do you think it might be
1: well, I got my universes mixed up for a minute, and okay. I was like... Were
0: you thinking it was Mr. Jupiter? Yeah,
1: I was oh. like, oh, that would be so cool. And I was
0: like, <laughs> That oh. would be so cool. That's <laughs>
1: yeah, not possible. Oh, uh, that's a shame. Yeah. I don't know. Who else uh, Who else would wear a hat and a trench coat? I, oh, I don't boy.
0: Know. Yeah, well, and then again, is it Francine? It <laughs> <laughs> could, could be. Could be three small people standing on each other's shoulders. Sure. Could be Godzilla. Huh? Marvel got the publishing rights to Godzilla in the early 80s, possibly late 70s. But in the Godzilla comic book, at one point, he got shrunk down to slightly larger than human size. And wore a disguise that was a trench coat and fedora. (laughs) Of course. It's maybe my favorite trench coat and fedora disguise. I love it whenever the thing does that. Mm -hmm. But I love the idea of Godzilla wandering around New York disguised in a trench coat and fedora. And I wonder if he ever tried that out when he was full-size Godzilla. Uh, It'd be a big trench coat. It really would be. Yeah, like I said, I'm pretty sure I know who it is. uh, But I don't want to spoil it for you. I'm sorry, Corey. It's okay. You don't have to okay i won't fine do you have any other questions about stuff or anything else you want to talk about are you ready to get to the minutiae i just want to point out that in my notes i have a funny
1: thing that i just saw which is i wrote i heart hulk
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah my first notes just say hulk hulk (laughs) yeah oh no i heart happy hulk that's what I. oh i i love happy hulk too i love happy hulk i love wistful hulk I love friendship, Hulk. Yeah. That we get to see at the end. We get to see a it's lot. It's adorable. A lot more of the positive sides of. Well, of if people this would guy. just leave him alone and stop hassling him, we get to see the truly gentle giant he is inside. And yet, be friends with him. That was yes. his desire to be left alone and have friends. Exactly. We're not so different, you and I, the Hulk. <laughs> Shall we? Indeed. Hit it, Rick. We got minutia. It's not the biggest part. It's just minutia, like Corey eating farts. We got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thanks, Rick. So, what do you feel like hitting up first? Uh, where to start? There are so many panels and sound effects. Those are gonna be difficult. okay. Let's go with sound effects, cause uh, yeah, man, there are so many. I definitely do have a front runner, but let's just go in the first like three pages. When Hulk is fighting the forest, which is delightful. But it, it's delightful, but also, like,
1: it sad. goes from, like, every, he's like,
0: ah, I'm so happy, I'm so peaceful, and then just everything goes to shit. And he feels so betrayed by yeah. nature because he thought the rocks and trees were his friends, and it is heartbreaking and adorable mm-hmm. and great. But when he is fighting those rocks and trees, in just a two panel spread, we get Scrack, Throck, Balk. Crack. Wood. Crop. So and my, none of those are finalists for me, even. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to bring up that just how chock-a-block with awesome sound effects this issue is. So, that being said, what ones do you want to talk about?
1: I narrowed it down to three.
0: Okay. I also have three or four, depending on how you count them. Uh, what was your third choice? For third, I'm going to go with page 22. And we've got a... Spack Brock! That was my number three. I wonder if we will, how to what extent we will line up. Uh. Yeah, and that is just common street thugs under Zemnu's mind control punching the crud out of Doc Strange. Mm-hmm. But it's little Spacks and bo- Brocks. <laughs> little Spack and Brock. <laughs> little Spacks. Just because they are not super powered. And I really like that convention of regular people do hits. It sounds like that. Super people do hits. It sounds different what did you have for
1: your number two uh this is tricky but i think for my second choice i'm gonna go with all the way at the end of the issue on page 32 okay which is a compound sound okay and it is after the hulk has hurled zemnu's rocket at zemnu and the entire thing explodes dramatically and it makes a thwaroom
0: that was pretty good. That did not actually make my list. That that was an honorable mention for me. My backup favorite was Man, it's tough. I'm gonna go with Quaram. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Quaram is the noise it makes when Val cleaves a possessed steamroller in Twain with Dragon Fang. In Twain with Dragon Fang? Yeah, yeah. That was the name of their first album. <laughs> in twain with dragon fang it was a weird name in convention oh okay who's the first album uh dragon fang i don't know them oh they're great oh okay i just made them up but there's almost certainly a band <laughs> named dragon fang <laughs> almost but yeah i love that noise i love the follow-up we already talked a little bit about the it's worthy mm-hmm. it's really cool looking it's really epic feeling what was your number one pick Number one
1: pick is on page 27 as Hulk is bursting to freedom from within the statue that he was <laughs> confined in. And it makes a noise that it sounds in my head kind of like a cross between a statue exploding and a gong
0: being hit. Okay. And it goes, thrang! Yeah, I can see that. And that, that is a really good one. I have Val freeing herself ah, as my number one. And it makes the noise, scrump! <laughs> It's a weird panel, too, because it really sounds like Doctor Strange is using his powers to call down the heavens to free them. He said that he can't use his fingers, so, like, he can't gesture with his hands, so he doesn't have access to his normal mystical might. So he says, Yet the power of Doctor Strange is not only in his hands, but in his mind, his heart, his soul, and the very skies may tremble when speaks the master of the mystic arts. O powers of celestial worth, this faithful one beseeches thee, Hurl thy skyborn fire to Earth, that the maid and I might yet be free. There are no celestial powers flinging anything to Earth that we see. It really seems like, well, he's just reading his little poem. Val's straining really hard and then bursts free.
1: That's probably what happens. It
0: really seems like that's what happens. But when she does, it really looks like she is just using her her mighty might to shatter the water pipes that had been holding them. And it goes, scrump, with two Ps, and I really, really like that. It's like the sound of metal
1: just shearing and... Uh-huh. Yeah. You know what? I don't get it. When Doctor Strange has, says shit like that, I'm like, ah, oh, what an asshole. But when Namor says shit like that, I'm like, Namor's great. Why
0: is that? Namor's great. But they're both... They're both arrogant, but I, I think we've talked about it before that with... Doctor Strange, it seems to come from a place of privilege. And with Namor, it comes from a place of confidence. Mm. It's just different. I feel like in real life, I don't like either of those, but yeah, but I, I guess it works in this video. I think maybe we're just so used to everyone around Namor talking about his innate nobility that you just kind of get used to thinking of it that way. But there's something about him. When he does it, it's funny and it's rad. And I do know people that are just like kind of bombastic, but pretty dope. Hmm. And just, like, genuine. And it's not a vibe I pick up on of Doctor Strange like that. I don't know. But I do like that after she basically frees themselves, I think Val is being sarcastic. Because Doctor Strange says, stand back, Valkyrie, and my mystic might shall deal with this mechanical menace. And she says, no, Steven, you've done your share in freeing us. I think she's being sarcastic. But, yeah, either way, great sound effects throughout this issue. And And great artwork. Like, really, just a pleasure. So, I had some trouble with this. I think you said you did, too. What was your i just got to be a sucker. Which character acted Uh, against their previously established character in a way that forwarded the plot? I have one that didn't meet the criteria of
1: forwarding the plot exactly, and also, upon after further reflection, I realized it's actually not at all out of his character, is it Doctor Strange? It was, yeah. And so the reason I had Doctor Strange was because when Val says, hey, I'm going to leave the Defenders, his first thing he says was like, oh no, did I do something
0: to offend you? And yeah, of course it's all about him.
1: Well, at first I was like, oh wow, he's actually asking somebody if like his actions, you know.
0: Right, but worked. instead it's really just him changing the narrative so that he is the focus once again. Exactly, so then I was like, oh, lame choice, but... Eh that's it. I actually had Val just because it, we touched on it a little bit before, the idea that, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense what she wants to do to refigure out, reconnect with Barbara Norris, but everything about her previously was, I'm set adrift, I'm the stranger in the strange land, all I have to cling on to is my identity as a defender, and really had been defining herself by that role in the team. So, It seemed jarring and a little bit of a, oh, we didn't really earn this yet, of her deciding that she's going to quit the team to figure out who Barbara Norris is. It makes sense that she wants to find out who Barbara Norris is. doesn't make sense that she necessarily wants to quit the team to do it. Possibly you're right. She just didn't want to live alone with Doctor Strange anymore. But they're not alone. They have Wong and I don't know if Clea is still living there. We haven't seen her in quite a while. Maybe that's why she wants to get gone. Like whenever Clea shows up, the vibe is tense. Yeah, it really does seem that way. Like when she made that old man drop a bong on a cat yeah. <laughs> just by walking down the street. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had Val, but it, it wasn't a real strong choice because I, I get that this is actually kind of makes sense for her character. It just seemed like a kind of abrupt departure that hadn't necessarily been narratively earned yet. Yep, makes sense. It was a tough issue for suckos. Yes. Sartorially speaking.
1: Ah, yes. I had a question, which is on page 22, Wong's get up? Is that what he normally wears? Let's take a look because it kind of looks like he's got this green tunic with a an orange Charlie Brown or zigzag or maybe like bad '90s tribal <laughs>
0: design <laughs> like across it, the, the front of his shirt. It, to me, it looks more just like a crackle of energy. I know that his normal outfit is a green tunic with yellow, but I maybe the artist also just didn't know it's like, I'm what gonna his draw standard. A and it's, then you know, people can. Use their imaginations, man. Mm, yeah, man. Wong looks better than he normally does in that panel. In previous issues, we've seen him drawn as much more of an almost caricature of, of the idea of an Asian man. But mm. he looks pretty good there. Yeah. He's only in the one panel, which is unfortunate. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's a decent, decent tunic, confusing design. But uh, my first choice for what I thought was a dope outfit was uh, was the mayor. In his brown... kind of classic, but, uh, you know,
0: dapper. Brown Colonel Sanders. Yeah, it's not a bad look. Of course, we did already touch on the fedora and trench coat. Mm-hmm classic disguise. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably Godzilla, but we'll find out later. But I also wanted to touch a little bit on the bizarre formal wear that Doctor Strange decides to go undercover with. Mm -hmm. To go undercover in a rural small town, regardless of where it is, he opts for a three-piece suit with a white vest Mm -hmm. because that's his version of Incognito. The outfit that he chooses for Val is actually surprisingly stylish. It's like a white kind of mod-looking Outfit. Wouldn't necessarily be in white, but like if Mrs. Peel from the TV show The Avengers went undercover, I could see her wearing something like that. Very fashionable, and Val looks really good in it. Mm-hmm. They make a nice looking uh, couple. Yeah, they kind of do. Yeah, A little too fancy for a rural town, but still. Good luck. Good luck indeed. What are your favorite five panels? <laughs> Gosh. They're all the Hulk, obviously. I mean, maybe not obviously. I, I, I do also really like if we're going top five. I'll say number five is Val cutting the steamroller in half. I had that one. Other than that, I, I don't know if it's the best panel or if it's the best drawn, but it was the panel that looking at it made me the happiest. It's, it's a tie with two of them. There's the panel on the very last page where Hulk just has a nice smile on his face and is saying, Dumb magician calls Hulk friend. Uh, yes. If dumb magician comes all this way just to help Hulk, Dumb magician is Hulk's friend, mm. but it's just Hulk looking happy and heart warmed and that is heartwarming and it made me really happy when I read it. Mm-hmm. The other one is the fourth panel on the first page and it's just Hulk happily traipsing through the forest holding a nosegay of flowers in his hand. In the background, a Wizard of Oz tree is basically reaching out to menace him. But he looks happy and he's frolicking through the forest and it it makes me happy seeing him happy. Mm -hmm. Those are my two favorites. What are your four favorites? Because we've talked about Val cunning the steamroller in half
1: yeah i I wrote down four total and i had those two actually okay happy flowers and val killing steamroller and then i had uh two others
0: okay what were your two others
1: my other one that i liked a lot was actually dr strange it was on page 16 and i called it magic hands and it's a convention that we see from time to time where the hands are drawn kind of superimposed over the background oh yeah 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 but it looks like he's got disembodied hands that's really cool looking Mm-hmm. yeah super dynamic like you can tell he's doing some some magic shit mm-hmm. very cool but uh my favorite panel had
0: the hulk in it and it was
1: it was on page 27 and i called it freedom and that's the one where he i like that open one
0: too statue. where he busts open the from the statue yep He looks super tough hulk hears dumb magician's voice in head telling hulk to free himself so hulk is free Thring. Thring. so that is your favorite sound effect and your favorite panel yeah twofer nice yeah i can't argue with that choice really just neither one of them is necessarily the most dynamic or even the best drawn panel but looking at both of them made me the happiest so i decided to go with it, it it's a tie i think i'm gonna go with the one on page one of him walking through the forest because there's a little more going on in the panel but happy, just flowers. Like, happy flowers hulk mm-hmm. love it yep and that kind of segues into best words And this was the one that I actually had the most trouble with. Yes. There was a lot of them. There were a lot of them, and they were so great. The entire
1: page's worth of dialogue where he's fighting with the forest... Oh, God. It's so good. Cracked me up. But I couldn't just write it all down
0: because it sounds goofy out of context. Well, it sounds goofy in context, too. (laughs) That was... One of them for me, I, I'm tempted to just, I just kind of want to read this as a comic on tape, but the first page was up there for me, and it, it's just the introduction to the Hulk walking through the forest. To look at him, you might not think that the emerald behemoth who lumbers this day through the great American heartland is really a most gentle soul, but look closely. See the tilt of his head, his flaring nostrils taking in the scent of turning leaves, his red-rimmed eyes bathing in nature's simple beauty. Yes, he loves the forest, this great green brute. And perhaps it loves him in turn. But regardless, it is a trifle much to believe that any tree could love the Hulk enough to want to rise up and follow him. And that's when you see a tree lurking behind him. But yeah, all of the narration of Hulk fighting the forest is... Ah, it's so good. I like it when he's like talking shit to the rocks and the trees. (laughs) What? Now other trees attack Hulk. And rocks! Flying rocks! Hulk is confused! Hulk doesn't understand. Hulk liked trees. Hulk liked rocks. Hulk thought they were his friends. Hulk's only friends. But if peaceful forest attacks Hulk too, then Hulk has no friends, and Hulk will crush anything that gets in Hulk's way. Do you hear Hulk rocks? Do you hear Hulk trees? <laughs> Leave Hulk alone! Or Hulk will make you regret it. Yeah. Bah, for every rock or tree Hulk smashes, more rocks and trees come to take their place. But why? Why? What has Hulk done that makes Forest stuff hate him? Oh, poor Hulk. <laughs> odds is a dick yeah man i also have in contention for best words where val just deadpanning it's worthy after cutting the steamroller in half yeah yeah that was awesome but i think my favorite words which i i guess i already have read now are the exchange between hulk and dr strange dumb magician calls hulk friend uh yes if dumb magician comes all this way just to help hulk Dumb magician is Hulk's friend. That's really nice. It is nice. I
1: had for my favorite the one in the the panel following that, or the next one, where it's Hulk saying, come friends, let us go away from this dumb place. (laughs) That is really good. And I was just like, I have probably had
0: on occasion more than once the opportunity to say this. I am totally going to start saying this. (laughs) Come friends, let's go away from this dumb place. That is great. Best Defender, Worst Offender. I think it's probably kind of duh for the best. Yep. The best is the Hulk. The best is Hulk the Hulk. Hulk is the best. Hulk is the strongest there is. Hulk is friends with rocks and trees. Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> Hulk is friends with rocks and trees, but rocks and trees better not cross Hulk. No. <laughs> no. Hulk's the best. Yep. that's We've talked enough about him that I think the reasons why are clear. Conversely, who was the worst offender in this issue? This I had had trouble with
1: because Strange and Valkyrie acquitted themselves, I thought, overall quite well. I agree. I was annoyed at, well, you know, okay, ostensibly it was because Hulk was, like, telepathically paging him or whatever. But, like, when Valkyrie's, like, giving him this heartfelt outpouring of, like, this is why I need to leave the team. And Dr. Strange is,
0: in my (laughs) mind, just singing a little song about himself to himself. Like, yeah. you man, That's- just the visual of her pouring her heart out, and you see just Steve's eyes glazed over. No, I had the same one, and for that, and a couple of other reasons that came up, he's using the orb of Agamato as a flashlight at one point, <laughs> just like a beam of light shooting out of it, and he's using it to just kind of wiggle around and search the forest floor. Yeah, his reaction when Hulk calls him friend and says, Yes, you are friends. I'm just going to read it because it's so Dr. Strange. He is so Dr. Strange in this issue. Dumb magician is Hulk's friend. That, my over-large and over-exuberant associate, is something I've been trying to drum into your emerald paint for quite some time now. We are friends, Hulk. Mm. God damn it. This was a real nice moment. You almost fucked it up. You didn't quite, but it was this close. I am amazed that he left the word behemoth out of there, but he just barely left it out of mm-hmm. there. Or monster. It's a good thing Hulk's not too sharp,
1: too, right? Because like most people hearing yeah. dialogues like that directed that. Thing. Of course we're friends,
0: you idiot! Were you too stupid to realize that we were friends? God, you're dumb! Uh, so that was why Steve was my choice, although for the most part I think he did pretty good. Although... I really, it really did seem like he didn't do jack shit to free them and then took all the credit for it while he recited his little poem.
1: It's in my soul.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, Wong did appear in this issue. Only briefly. But only very, very briefly. And he still had plenty of free time. So, that brings us to the latest segment of Wong and Winding Road. Ah! (laughs) There is a great Twitter thread that is just people suggesting different names for the Wong segment. And Mm. I suggest you guys go to it and add to it. In the meantime, I'm just going to kind of cycle through some of them. But yes, this week, let's call it Long and Winding Road. Very good. So in February of 1974, what do you think that Wong is up to? I have a pretty good idea. Oh yeah? And what's that? Last time around, we
1: started to touch on Wong's many other interests outside of being
0: Doctor Strange's manservant. Sure. Most of them academic in nature. Uh, Depending. Some were academic in nature, some were sports-related, some were theater-going.
1: Well, I mean, I think his approach to those things is scholarly. I think that's fair. In addition to enjoying sports and the theater, and being an amateur cephalopodiatrist, he also... Is an amateur primatologist. Is he? Yeah, little known fact. So he's volunteering and spending time with a uh, center for primate research. Mm-hmm. It's been really stressful. So they've got this whole batch of, of new chimps, and they just started research on uh, sign language <laughs> and primates. Corey, do any of these chimpanzees have funny names? Yeah, one of them does. Okay. So we'll anyway, them later I would think it turns out. That 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 that's one chimp who I did. Yeah, we can go ahead and say it. Who is cleverly named Nim Chimpsky? Nim Chimpsky <laughs> is Wong's favorite, and the chimp shows progress. But the chimps are just fucking stressed out because these guys keep giving them flashcards and trying to teach them sign language and everything. And Wong says to himself, "You know what? We need we need to just blow off some steam because these little guys are too stressed out. I mean, he's only like two and a half months old. No, oh, Nim Chimpsky, like." Just a a pup of a chimp. Mm -hmm. So Wong also likes funny movies and um, decides to take Nim Chimsky to the premiere of Mel Brooks' Blazing Saddles. Oh, very nice. Yeah. And you probably remember towards the end, there's a, a, a giant food fight scene. Sure. In which there are chimpanzees who happen to be throwing pies around. Oh my goodness. And little Nim Chimsky gets so excited, he signs, Pie fight! Pie fight! (laughs) Pie fight! fight!"
0: And those were his first signs? Those were Nim Chimsky's first signs at two and a half months old. Wow. That is terrific. (laughs) What a long and winding road. Indeed. I had Wong staying a little bit closer to home, at least at first. We see that he is in Doctor Strange's pad. Answering the door while Steve Strange is out. And while the cat's away, the mouse will watch some TV. (laughs) (laughs) So he's just kind of spreading out, having the house hotel that one gets when one's partner is away. Mm -hmm. Having a pretty good time. Flips on the TV. Wong's a little bit new to Western culture at this point. (laughs) Oh, I see where this is going. He he doesn't really understand what's happening, but he watches a little program called Dracula. Oh. There's a TV movie of Dracula that aired in February that starred Jack Palance as Dracula. Wong gets a little freaked out. Mm. So he starts running around the streets and just being like, Draculas! Draculas are everywhere! <laughs> <laughs> and using his Kung Fu to fight people that he thinks are Draculas. Oh, no. Now, it's okay. He, he's quickly calmed down. He's not an idiot. He just got a little bit overexcited. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a very good movie, very dramatic. Jack and, Palance. Uh, yeah, Jack Palance, and maybe Wong had gotten into some of Doctor Strange's stores of magical herbs that he keeps around the apartment. Oh, Jamaican incense! <laughs> Indeed. Oh, no. But Wong is quickly calmed down. He he meets some, some young filmmakers who, coincidentally for Wong, whose father is Hamir the Hermit, he meets some guys from Hammer Films. <laughs> <laughs> They saw Wong kung fu fighting (laughs) and talking about Draculas, and they decided that they were inspired to make the Hammer film, The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, (laughs) which features Van Helsing teaming up with a kung fu master to fight Dracula's ghouls with kung fu. No shit, Wong. Yeah. Pretty good. A fun little note about the TV movie of Dracula that Wong was watching. As I said, Jack Palance played Dracula, and that was actually the Dracula that Gene Colin, who drew the Tomb of Dracula series, that was also written by Marv Wolfman, who writes our Teen Titans issues, right. used as him his template for Dracula. He was drawing the Jack Palance version the whole time. Oh, no shit. Which, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Anyway, and that that is uh, another possible thing that was part of Wong's Wong and winding road. Oh, man, I was wrong. I thought you were going to say he was watching Good Times. Oh, no, no. He probably watched some of that too. He's you know not. what else he watched that month? Huh. Zardoz. Oh, was that? Yeah. At the same time? Yeah, man. Yeah. Also, uh, our sister Meg was born. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Juan was there for that, though. No. He was busy. Yeah. Fighting imaginary vampires. Fighting imaginary vampires. Watching Mel Brooks. Raising chimpanzees. <laughs> God, this guy's got a great life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Almost makes it worth putting up with Stephen Strange.
0: Yeah. Almost. Yeah, well, where would Steve be without Wong, and where would the Earth be without Stephen Strange? Nobody knows. Exactly. I pray we never have to find out. Indeed. Thank you so much for joining us, dear listeners. Uh, we will be back next week with an exciting issue of New Teen Titans. Although I say we, Corey's not going to be joining us. I understand, uh, Corey, you're taking a vacation to the idyllic Baltic island nation of Zandia? Well, I'll do my best. I've heard nothing but peaceful things about that bucolic uh, island and couldn't possibly have a dark secret, so I hope you have a great time and go hang out with some criminals. Well, enjoy yourself, buddy. We'll do my best. We will have a very special guest host next week, which I'm very excited about. It's going to be Elizabeth Alley, the co-host of the Thor: The Lightning and the Storm podcast where they cover the Walt Simonson Thor issues and I'm really excited to have her with us, and she's going to be sharing her thoughts on issue 18 of the new Teen Titans, which will feature the return of the original Starfire from the first Teen Titans series, who also premiered in issue 18. Russian? The Russian dude. Yeah. Oh, shit. So I'm really looking forward to that. That should be a lot of fun. And then the following week, we will be covering the Defenders number 13, which will feature the Squadron Sinister, who is now called the Squadron Supreme. And we're going to have a special guest host for that, too. It's going to be Miles Stokes, uh, who you may know from Jane Miles Explain the X-Men. And he is also the co-host of the Thor, the Lightning and the Storm podcast, which, if you're not listening to that, you're fucking up because it's great. But yeah, so have fun in Xandia, Corey. Your seat will be kept warm. Pleased to hear it. Yeah, and thank you, listeners, so much for joining us. Indeed. Touch me not, for I am Doctor Strange. What is he saying? And I have soul. <laughs> I have soul and I'm super bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. Hey guys, this is Hub. Just realized I forgot to leave any contact information on this. And also wanted to let you know, in case you haven't heard enough of my voice just now, I'm also going to be appearing on the wonderful Smash Fiction podcast that comes out this Sunday the 18th. We're going to be debating Namor versus Aquaman, and it's really fun, and you should check it out. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, your podcatcher of choice, and we're in general just all up on the internet. So looking forward to hearing from you, and thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week, where it'll be me and Elizabeth Alley talking some new Teen Titans. Thanks, guys. Bye. And they know it. And they know it. I am going to destroy you. Let's go. Doo doo. Corey loves his farts. He eats them up in his tummy. Yummy, yummy farts all day. My name is Corey, and I like to eat the farts. Whoa. Yeah. Took us on a little journey there. Yeah, to the 70s. And to to your past. It was like hearing your own voice in a tape recorder. That's not true. (laughs) Corey, we never really recognize our voice when we hear it back. It sounds odd and foreign, but you sound exactly like that. And you say that exact phrase all the time. That is the weirdest thing. I know. Corey, this is an intervention. (laughs) A fart eating intervention? Mm, Not so much the fart eating, that's fine, frankly. I wish you'd do it a little bit more, but uh, you talk about doing it a lot and sing songs about it. Lies! (laughs) Lies! All right. Uh, Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick.